Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 662 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, Nathan Caden will be letting us know about his gig at the Glee Club in Birmingham in March. We'll be finding out about the schools tour from National Theatre. They're working alongside the Grand as they head across Wolverhampton over the next few days. Coming up this week at the St Giles Church in Willen Hall, the St Giles Drama Group are bringing Annie Junior to the church stage. We'll be hearing about that and how you can get your tickets for that one. Plus, we'll be hearing from the man behind Forever Elton, Phil Mountford. He'll be letting us know about his gig on stage in April over at the place in Elkengate. And we'll be hearing about an absolutely amazing comedy, Murdered to Death. It's going to be at the Prince of Wales in April, having a natter with Tom Allsop about his part in that show. That's all on the way on the show this week. <laughs> The St Giles Drama Group are bringing Annie Junior to the St Giles Church in Willenhall from the 3rd through to the 5th of March. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Paul Ingalls. Hello, sir. Hello there. So, uh, first of all, a bit of background on St Giles Drama Group, please. OK, well, we're, uh, we're a church drama group, as you've just said. We're based in Willenhall, and we have been going for about 30 years now, and um, we have a range of children aged 8 to 16, and then we have a few teenagers who class themselves as uh, mini adults between 17 and 18. And then we have adults all the way up to uh, 88 if they want to join us. So how does the, this, the shows normally work? Because, I mean, do you, do you do one that's specifically mainly for the adult group uh, at some point in the year and, and then the junior shows uh, as well? Or how do you normally run these things? Yeah, we try and involve as, as many people as we possibly can, both the, the children and the adults in every show. Um, and in this particular situation, uh, Annie's such a popular show that, um, you know, we, we had to go for the Annie Junior version in this situation. And uh, so the adults will be helping out, uh, but it's mainly led by the children throughout the performance. Uh, in other times of the year, we do things like a musical montage where we do a variety of songs and, and comedy. Uh, we did one of those back in, uh, in October. But yeah, this time around, it's, it's Annie Junior. So the kids bring their talents to the fore this time. And of course, uh, it, it, does it take place in the, in the church itself or is it in the, uh, is there a hall next to it? Uh, yeah, we, we now perform in the church. Historically, we used to perform in the, in the church hall. Then we grew a little bit and went into the school hall, thanks to the kindness of St John's School. And now uh, we, have, uh, we take over the church for a week and it gives us a lot more space and, uh, and we can use all the technology within the church as well. Uh, and it creates a, a really nice atmosphere. So, I mean, Annie itself is a, a musical that's well known to many. Uh, some amazing songs. And it, it's, it's normally uh, full of a, a bunch of kids who are putting the adults to shame. This time it's the, uh, the, the youth uh, ensemble all together doing this. So uh, some of them are going to play a little older, haven't they? Um, yes, that's right. We've got, um, we've got all sorts of, uh, of different characters uh, being played by different people. Um, it's been a, a dream of, of my daughters to play this since she was six. Um, so she played Little Molly six years ago uh, when we did it. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, this time round, she gets to, to play the lead role. And we've got uh, various teenagers playing uh, servants and, and, and all sorts of 
of, of weird and wonderful characters uh, throughout. Yeah, really good fun. So as you say, it's it, it a good musical and it's uh, a chance to, to show off what you can do. And the other part of it is it, it's just a fantastic community spirit feel as well, isn't it? And uh, St Charles in the heart of Woolenhall uh, has got a, a, an excellent cash area of, of people who are going to be having a great time being part of this. Yeah, that's right. We're, uh, we're working very closely with, uh, with the community. We're working with our, our sister churches as well to, to try and create... Um, sort of extra things going on around the community, as you say, and uh, we have lots and lots of people, not just from the friends and family of, of the cast, but we have lots of people who, who come back to see us. Uh, we've done uh, we've done things where we, we've done Elvis in church and things like that, where we get more people into the church, perhaps come see from different things. So we've done that in the past as well. But yeah, it's really good to see uh, the community and the wider church and the school. Uh, coming out to support us all as well. Yeah, really, really nice community feel. And how has St coped over the last two years with the uh, the concerns we've had surrounding COVID? Because it's it's been a little difficult. Things are starting to return back to normal, but uh, uh, you still need to protect those vulnerable people in the community. So uh, I, I'm going to guess that the, the church is carrying on with uh, many measures that are already in place. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really tough as as it has for for everybody. Um, obviously, we had to shut down completely during the uh, the first. The first lockdown as obviously we were then able to put things in place um so we, we have people so sort of sitting two meters apart we use the masks and so on throughout uh, the lockdown so when we were still able to worship uh, obviously as uh, relaxation of the rules has taken place uh, slightly uh, we're still um, observing some care we do have uh, you know a number of, of uh, older members of our congregation that we, we try to protect uh, and vulnerable uh, adults as well. So yeah, we still keep uh, sort of various uh, hand gelling and, and, and sort of social distancing. We still keep that in place uh, wherever it makes sense to do so. Yeah, and then St. Giles is a big building to be able to cope with that. I've, I've only ever seen from the outside, Woolenhall born and bred, I used to work in Yale Locks around the corner when I was a teenager. I still haven't right. made it into the building, so I must come and do that. Because I, I, I do know some of your your, your members. Uh, Justine Clark is, is someone I went to school with. So, uh, you know, so there's the, a number of members of the, the, the church I, I really ought to reacquaint myself with and come and say hi at some point. If you do want to get involved, you can come along and see Annie. Now, I know tickets have been selling fast for some of the nights, but you've got the third through to the fifth. So what do we do to get tickets and what's availability like and what time are the shows on stage, please? Yeah, so uh, it runs from uh, Thursday the 3rd of March through to Saturday the 5th of March. It's in the church, as you say. Uh, tickets uh, are selling really well from the Friday and the Saturday night. We're almost sold out there. We're about half sold out on the, the Thursday night and the Saturday matinee. Thursday, 7 p.m. as the other evening performances, Saturday matinee at 2 p.m. And you can get the tickets uh, by going online at uh, ticketsource.co.uk forward slash St Giles Willenhall. So go along, get your tickets, and there's various pricing bands depending on where you sit. You can book your seats and uh, come along and see uh, an amazing show, which is going to be put together by a talented bunch, uh, all part of uh, yeah, the, the community work and the outreach and just the togetherness that St Giles is creating in the heart of Willenhall. Paul Ingalls, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Jason. Thanks for your time. Nathan Caton will be at the Glee Club in Birmingham on the 16th of March, a wonderful Wednesday and a chance to get some comedy off a man who knows how to deliver the goods. Back on tour, he joins me now for a bit of an atta. Hello, sir. How you doing, mate? You all right? I'm good. Are you all right? I'm cool, man. I'm chilling, surviving, you know, in good spirits, you know. Yeah, all good. 
that's all we can hope for. Now, uh, tell us a bit about this current tour, because, I mean, you've been rather busy since the last one with, with some telework, but not so much seeing people in real life. I, I know, my goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> so after all the Zoom gigs that I've, I've done, I'm now back uh, in, in the flesh. You know, I can, I can reach out and touch an audience. Not that I'm going to do it, obviously, but I, the <laughs> option's there if I wanted to. Um, so, yeah, this, this, this new show is called Let's Talk About Vex, and it's basically the last few years in my world. So I've got, I'm talking about, I know, like, been in lockdown, um, the pandemic and stuff, uh, politics, race, uh, talk, talk about, like, scented candles. You know, <laughs> uh, all, all those things are clearly obsession. linked. Okay, <laughs> does this mean you're carrying scented candles around with you? Is it it's part of the rider now whenever you go to a gig? Well, if it weren't for like the venue's health and safety protocols and stuff, then um, I, I would happily just deck out the whole place with scented candles. <laughs> Maybe that'll be a thing. There could be a DVD at some point with a pack of scented candles included. That could be the, the, the upsell, the incentive. Oh, that'd be great. No, no, I'd love to do a gig where the whole place is decorated with scented candles and people are both enjoying the comedy and the aromas. So it's, it's, it's sort of like scratch and sniff comedy is what we're looking at here at the minute. That's the name of the show. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, let's talk about Vex. What, so the, the Vex is the, the, mm. the hell that we've had the last couple of years. Yeah, um, and I, I found myself getting frustrated very easily with things. Like I'm, I'm quite a laid-back kind of person, but in the last few years, you know, I've been stuck at home and everything like that. I just found myself getting angry and annoyed frustrated by various things and I've just kind of just made a, a note of them and turned into a show. <laughs> and, and what's it been like sort of having the, the uh, pent-up comedy? It must be difficult trying to get the giggles out your system. Well luckily for me I mean I did a lot of Zoom gigs during the lockdown so yeah. I kind of had an outlet of some sort. It wasn't the same as doing a live gig but it was still something. It's still you know I was able to kind of just bleh, get it all out and hear people laughing um and doing other stuff in their homes yeah, yeah oh yeah we'll be slightly delayed with a bit of a weird echo on it but uh, yeah they, it was still a gig which is what counts exactly exactly although there was like i said because yeah, people are in their homes it's like they forget that they're at, in a comedy environment and just talking amongst themselves or you hear background dogs barking babies crying things like that it's, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's funny and it's weird but yeah it's, it's, it's not the same as live comedy now, I mean, following on from Impetus of Happiness, uh, the, the the last tour, I mean, that, again, exceptionally well received. I mean, you've, you you get implored it for, for yeah, some amazing work. And, I, I, I you know, it, it's nice to actually get the feedback, isn't it? Yes, exactly. I mean, that, that's that's one thing I missed during the lockdowns, like, especially like the first few Zoom gigs I did, when no one really knew how Zoom comedy worked. It was me talking to a screen. And the audience had their cameras off, their mics off, and just, just yeah, it was just talking into the just an, an, a vacuum basically. And it was, it was less. I was less comedian. I felt more like a YouTuber having a mental breakdown. <laughs> so, what else can we expect from you in the coming months? Obviously, the tour is the big thing at the moment. But uh, any more telly on the way? Because you've got your own series as well as the appearances you keep making. Um, yeah, I'm, well, I'm working on a few things. I'm always, I'm always, I've always got my finger on a few pies and seeing, seeing seeing what's going to happen, what's going to bubble. Um, yeah, I'm working on a few projects. I've been writing for a CBB show, which is very weird. I never thought I'd end up doing that, but 
it's happened and I've enjoyed and I've loved it. Um, so yeah, a few writing projects, um, a few TV things I'm trying to get off the ground. Doc, you haven't seen the last of Mayfication. Don't worry about that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what what else does, does does the future hold? I mean, how do you see things evolving for in, in your world? Because I, I, we're talking stadiums next, aren't we? Surely we're talking stadiums. No, you know what? No, I'll be honest, right? Um, I mean, as, as wonderful and grand as stadiums and arenas look, like I, I love the intimacy of like just that, that little theatres or that, the, like the, the intimacy in comedy is so mm-hmm. invaluable um, that I kind of, I, I, I love that. You know I mean? I wouldn't want to stray away from that. That's, that's kind of like, that's, that's my bread and butter. You know what I mean? Just the, the, the intimate gigs, you know, the, the stand-up circuit, the clubs and stuff. That's, that's kind of what I know. So, um, the arenas are cool, don't get me wrong. It, it definitely pays the bills. But <laughs> as a comedian, who like, like a purist, I like the intimate settings. And when it comes down to that sort of audience, I mean, sometimes they can be a little bit naughty. I mean, hecklers are a, a bit of a nightmare. They, they can help. I mean, I, ha- I have heckled at a gig because the comedian <laughs> on stage was struggling and he needed someone to have a go at. So I put myself up there. And uh, and helped out, but it, 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 you don't need that. So you know, the the interruptions aren't necessarily always appreciated, are they? No, I mean, like if I would say to any like comedy audience member, um, if you're getting a heckle, make it good. M- make it. Good. It's got to be quality. Otherwise, just just be quiet. Just enjoy the show. Let the comedian do his job. Okay, like like if you're on a plane, you wouldn't go into the cockpit and tell the pilot which way to go. So just let the comedian do his thing, man. Um, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be quality. Like, like okay, I'll give you an example. Um, so I I did oh, it's actually it was actually my last tour, the Pursuit of Happiness tour. I did a date in Manchester, and uh, I walked out on stage, grabbed the mic, and before I said anything, a voice from the back of the crowd just went, "Oh, him." <laughs> now that's a heckle. That's a heckle. <laughs> Oh, the tone of voice, hopefully it was a good thing. But no, I, uh, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I wasn't sure if I had that disappointed the whole entire night. But my name was on the ticket. Like, who, who are you expecting? It's, like, it's, <laughs> it's spelled Nathan Caton, but it's pronounced Reg D. Hunter. No, it's me. <laughs> Definitely full on Nathan, which is what counts. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, we, we, we know that yeah, stadiums may not be on the list. Uh, musical career, is that something you might dip into as well? Or is that... Oh, uh, no. I can't, I can't i can't sing mate that's that's why i do comedy okay. <laughs> you're just going to stick with that and and, and scented candles i mean are you tempted to maybe bring out a range of scented candles as well i would love to if there's any uh scented candle makers out there who will listen to this holler at me man i've, I've got i've got sense that i want to get off the ground Let, let's let's work together what aroma would you go for then Ooh. You know what? If I could like try and recreate a comedy club smell, I don't know if that'd be the best smelling thing, oh, but yeah, but it'd be it'll be unique. It would, and I, 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 it, it's if it, it would have been more important for the Zoom comedy gigs because that would have set the scene at home, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that that boat may have sailed now, but yeah, this, but, this, this smells of uh, sweat, alcohol, and desperation. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows what else, what else might be added into there based on the impulse, you know, having been cleaned. But there we are. So uh, it's going to be good. You're at the Glee Club in Brum. Uh, it is Wednesday, the 16th of March. We're not too far off. How do we get hold of tickets? Um, you can go into my website, www.nathancaton.com. That's Caton, C-A-T-O-N. Um, yeah, and then all my updates up there. Click on the link. Boom, you got it. 
or just follow me on social media. I'm always posting about my dates there. Um, Instagram is Nathan.Caton and Twitter is NathanCaton, all one word. And then also watch out in a big department store for the scented candle range to come in the not too distant future. Exactly. <laughs> Nathan, great to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful time with the gig and we're looking forward to seeing you in Brum not too far away. Cheers, take care, mate. Now is the time to book your tickets for Murder to Death at the Prince of Wales Theatre from the 27th through to the 29th of April. Tickets are already selling fast. Make sure you get yourself involved. Tom Olsop is here to tell us why we should be watching the show as he's part of it. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, you okay? <clears throat> yes, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, all good. That's good. Right, okay, tell us a, a bit about the show to start off with and the company behind it. Uh, well, um, the show is um, its called Murder to Death. It is a sort of... Um, a kind of murder mystery, uh, but goes wrong, really. It's a sort of a comedy um, twist on sort of the Agatha Christie, um, all a with a little bit of sort of P.G. Woodhouse sort of um, absurdity in it as well, and it's mm -hmm. like Peter Gordon. Um, and it's very funny, very, very funny. And it's basically uh, a murder that takes place at a, a manor house, at a stately home, and a very inept detective... Um, attempts to solve the case with and hilarity ensues basically um, <laughs> and I play the uh, inept detective I'm, I'm trying not to uh, think too much about typecasting um, but he's a he's a, a, a world-class idiot um, and, <laughs> and, and sort of uh, misses no opportunity to um, get things wrong and to, to make uh, dreadful dreadful sort of errors really of judgment and of police work um, and it's uh, it's tower players um, who are we're based in uh, Canuck, um and we've been going since 2006 I think I always get that wrong since 2006 and um and we do a lot we do well we do all kinds of things really but we 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 take we do more plays than musicals um just because of the makeup of the group really and because we're we're just sort of more interested in in those things and also because there are other groups in in and around Canada that do, already do that kind of thing incredibly well and so we try to do other do things that are slightly different so we can sort of fit in and around um uh, those guys really um yeah no it's it's I, I mean we're always um it's sometimes it's a bit it sometimes takes us a while to sort of fall in love with a play we're, we're quite we're quite critical when we start and I know that because I, I one of the plays we did I wrote um and it, it takes it you know what I mean we're quite um every, every everybody in the group is quite um got there's some quite strong opinions in there and and everybody kind of got an idea of how things ought to be and so it that's really exciting and that's sort of how we like it but it take, means that the process of actually getting to grips of the play can take us a bit of um it takes a bit of a while but once we're uh, once we're in we're uh, we're well away yeah no we're very excited about it it's going to be great well, it sounds like incredibly good fun, and uh, I think you, you're in a genre there, which is, which is going to be an amazing giggle because I mean, some of the, some of the ways in which uh, these tales are presented, they do take themselves too seriously sometimes. I know I would give the Christie had always got a bit of tongue in cheek whenever she wrote her work, and yeah. the, there was uh, there was fun in everything from Poirot through Agatha Christie uh, through, Miss Mar through Miss Marple and uh, and everything else in in, in her tales. So uh, I think I think this this is exactly how she would have liked to have her work tributed to, uh, as well, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I, I always, I always feel like, um, yeah, she, I feel like she had a very, very uh, astute sense of like herself and her genre and and the innate absurdity of um, 
these sort of odd random murders in big houses of very wealthy people and, and all of the intrigue and all of that. And, and so, and this, the, uh, Peter Gordon's play sort of takes that and um, sort of extends it with comic effect, but still has that, that same, like all, all of these characters would fit quite nicely into an Agatha Christie. <laughs> um, they just they just happen to be they're, they're stretched about five percent to take them over that line about them uh slightly more absurd and everybody's having great fun at the moment sort of finding characters and 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 that i love that bit i think that's my favorite other than the actual performance my favorite bit is is the is that those sort of um middle stages where you kind of you know the nuts and bolts of the play and you kind of and, and you're all kind of working on trying stuff out to especially in a comedy because essentially what you're doing is each week you're going into the rehearsal room trying to make your mates laugh <laughs> and then sometimes you, and sometimes you don't but sometimes you do and when you do it really and we always find we, we just we met, obviously after everything that's happened we decided um d- during lockdown while we were still meeting up on zoom socially and stuff we kind of all independently arrived at the conclusion that for a very long while we just need to do comedies because people just want to laugh and just want to get together and have a night and have a good evening. And we were like, well, it, you know, we, 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 we've done a mixture of, of funny stuff and, and serious stuff. And we, we just thought let's, let's just for now, let's just keep making people laugh and have a nice evening out. And then, and then we'll, we'll maybe, you know, look at other things in the future perhaps, but right now we just want everybody to come along and have a, and have a ball. And, um, we did a, um, a play at Christmas time called Kicking the Baubles, which is like a that's that's Christmas goes disastrously and and then is fine at the end sort of um, play and that's that's it, these, these are, they're quite different but they they have that same uh, theme of a sort of uh, sort of light hearted absurdity and and everybody's everybody's having um, everybody's having fun which is what we're what we're aiming for after all <laughs> absolutely I think we all enjoy a good sitcom and. Yeah, some of the classics you just absolutely roll around each time you see, even when they repeat them endlessly on Dave and whatever else. But uh, when it comes to seeing it live, it's got that extra edge because you know it could all go horribly wrong if the cast start laughing. Oh uh, yeah, and, and and it can happen. It does happen. Yeah, we uh, we are re- uh, several of us are renowned gigglers, and one or two <laughs> members of the company are renowned makers of people giggling. Now, I couldn't possibly comment on who is what and where, where I fall in that because obviously that's for other that's for other people to um to decide but we we do that it is not always easy to maintain the and the, the last play we just did kicking the baubles I found it very difficult because my character addresses the audience so he kind of breaks the fourth wall all the way through <laughs> and that's like a red rag to a bull for me I'm, I'm I can't I'm I, so I had to be very very uh disciplined and the trouble with that as, as you will know being a very uh, August um theatre go yourself you'll know once a character starts talking to the audience, occasionally the audience starts talking back, mm-hmm. um, and they did on occasion. Nothing, nothing too horrendous, but occasionally I was, I was like, "Well, we're not chatting now. This is a, this is still a play, so we have to be." You know what I mean? So th- luckily, there's none of that with this play, so I'm, I'm not having to do too much of that. But um, it's, um, it, it does, it does take quite a lot of um, discipline to uh, not laugh when when things really are funny. Uh, particularly with because uh, there, there are a lot of this play there's a lot of um there wasn't the other play but this this play's quite quite a lot of it's physical as well as you know jokes mm-hmm. and obviously physical comedy doesn't stop being funny because you're standing next to it it's <laughs> you know what i mean like you and and so we're um that that process of uh, we're trying to get all of the 
laughter out in the rehearsal room so that we cut do you know what I mean when you're yeah. letting it out now so that when we get onto the stage hopefully we can you know we'll hold it to, together but you, you can share it now and have the, have a laugh with it and yeah. laugh at it but the thing is you'll never get bored of it either because it is by the sense of things so well written and the, the, here's the other thing right you're playing a policeman now you are uh, pretty much renowned for having a, a, a more uh, relaxed look than your average policeman shall we say yeah. I'm not going to go as far as unkempt, but you know that we, we're approaching that. Yeah. Uh, how is this going to work? Well, <laughs> I, well I, I want to give too much away. I am I'm able to uh, hide away the barnets uh, if necessary, uh, sort of briefly with it with a lot with a lot of carefully architectured um, goings on. But also, uh, is it, there is a strong possibility that my character would be wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look like a detective uh, in in the sort of. It's a sort of. It's quite interesting because it's a sort of ambiguous in its like um, timing that they they did. They, they he manages to. He, he's quite clever, really. He manages to not quite be. You could you could just about put it anywhere you like. We're kind of going sort of twenties, thirties, like aesthetic with it but yeah. the, in the actual script there aren't any um you could quite easily move it around you could make it earlier you could make it later so it's quite, it's quite nice obviously because when you when you're doing like amateur stuff that you know finding costumes and set and props and that you you beg borrowing and, um, and and sort of trying to get it where you can really so that's that's very helpful we're trying to i'm trying to work in as many like fictional detective um tropes as possible so i'm very strongly considering a deer stalker um, <laughs> and then a couple of the other couple have decided they want me to to maybe to, to wear different hats each time i don't go off a lot once i'm on i'm, I'm sorry, when you're the detective you're, you're in like you know for the for the duration but there's, there's talk of me trying to swap hats so that like there's a you know try and get all of them in there try and get a um a, 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 a seminar at homburg in for poirot and you know try, try to go through the the gamut of fictional detective hats. Well, I, I want you doing Miss Marple's knitting as well, then. I think that would be good. Well, do you know, we were sat in, you know, you know, it's like we were sat in the pub and people, we, uh, we got talking about like fictional detective things you could do. We were like, oh, you could have a pipe, you could have, and no one said knitting, or I don't remember anyone saying knitting. But, you know, it would be quite nice to sort of that kind of moment of like thoughtful. Um, he doesn't have many epiphanies because he's an idiot, but it'd be quite nice to have maybe do a bit of knitting. I'd have to learn to knit though, I haven't got long, but maybe we'll see. Let's see. Let's see. And you've, it's not until the 27th through to the 29th of April. It is a Prince of Wales. Prince of Wales. Live is where you can get your tickets. Any other contact details for the gang from Tower? Yeah, if you find Tower players on Facebook, um, you can you can get tickets direct from us. Um, you can find us individually on Facebook, and we can we can sort your tickets as well. But if you go to the Tower Players Facebook page, you can find everything that you um, that you need on there. I've got a website as well that's got the dates on, um, but uh, the, and and places where you can find contact details on on, on um, tomalsot.co.uk. Um, but yeah, any any of those, and you'll you'll find us. Well, it's going to be an absolute treat by the sounds of things. I'm going to go and get myself sorted some tickets now somehow. I'll talk to you that later. Meanwhile, Tom Olsop, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The film You Are My Sunshine is preparing itself for its massive launch in Wolverhampton at the Lighthouse. Meanwhile, alongside the production, of course, there is a wonderful soundtrack. Hans Hess joins me now to tell me how he brought together the sound of this amazing movie. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. 
Well, good to talk to you, and it's nice to catch up again uh, about the yeah. work that you're doing. And uh, when it comes to scoring uh, any film, you obviously you're watching various different rushes and edits on it to, to see how the sound's going to come together. And this has been uh, an absolute labour of love over the last, what, three, four years now, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So give us a bit of the background on when you first got involved in the project. Yeah, it was like this. Um... That actually goes back when I did the soundtrack for Sustain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dave uh, invited me to get on board. We got along really well. And I noticed that he was about to produce another feature film. And also, well, to do that, uh, You're Mary Sunshine and produce a short. And I, I kindly just asked to get involved. And then his, he promised, said, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, we would like to, to, to have you on this. Uh, so that's um, how actually all this started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, you're working alongside Dave Hastings and the rest of the team who've uh, brought this project together. And this is spread over time. Uh, it looks at two different periods of history: the now and when mm-hmm. uh, a couple first met uh, in their in their youth. And uh, it, it journeys through uh, uh, the difficult uh, situations surrounding their relationship, acceptance, and the, the music itself has had to reflect some not only touching but also quite uh, uh, really alarming moments too. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, uh, I would say that my, uh, and then I can explain how the approach to the soundtrack was. It happened like this, because uh, when uh, I first worked with um, Dave in the previous project, he used um, lots of temp tracks. And then um, we were discussing now about these temporary tracks, you know, what he wanted out of them and etc. And I figured out uh, musically, what uh, were the key elements. And when we were working with uh, You're My Sunshine, Dave said that after collaborating with me, uh, it gave him even more insight on how he could use temp tracks. So then he used the vast majority of temp tracks. There was a lot of stuff from Thomas Newman, as well as um, uh, James Horner. You know, uh, so they were like amazing soundtracks. And um, he knew that he wanted uh, to be also very heavily uh, thematic, you know, with uh, very important themes. And you ask about the, the this idea of, uh, you know, passing through time and etc. The music didn't want to try to, to give this idea of, of different times. Uh, when I composed, I could say that um, I was focusing a lot in the emotions of the character, the idea of their love, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, when I was listening to the temp tracks, um, my composition approach was to observe uh, actually how themes were being used and mainly the instrumentation in the orchestra, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you have a sound for each character that's on screen? Because there yeah. seem to be moments where uh, there's, there's two pieces of music coming together. It's almost as if those two characters are, are coming together in the sound. Yeah, actually, actually, the the uh, what I can explain that um, when I was doing that, uh, it's interesting that gives the idea to the audience. But the focus was uh, on on leading people, okay, into the development of scenes. So when you have a sensation like that, is because I've been um, successfully within the structure of the music composition 
evolving, evol developing the music into climax within a certain scene. So of course that gives the idea of togetherness, okay? Uh, but basically the music focus, for example, there are, um, there's one, let's say is a, is, a, is a very short motif, which I call it like the love sting, you know? is uh, something that's like a, a call for love. And uh, there is a, a main theme as well that uh, is related, you know, to both characters that actually appears in the, in the opening track. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, these two themes actually appear in the opening track. At the very beginning, when we see the titles, you know, you, you hear the love sting. And then later on, you know, uh, <clears throat> when you see the medals, you know, uh, and their characters appear, you hear the one of their main themes, and later on, uh, that theme is developed within the opening sequence. And I like to take these uh, music elements, themes, or certain textures or certain harmonies, and then these are all the prime material that I use them to develop throughout the whole soundtrack and create as unified as I can within the storytelling. And, and the music is such a big part of the storytelling, and particularly when it is as emotional. Now, I don't want to give too much away on the film. Uh, we've talked about uh, it is two lads come together, uh, become uh, their partners, and you see their story through time. You see the prejudices that not ex only exist within the community, but also within their families. Uh, and you also uh, see a, a, a very much a, a, an understanding and care and concern for the way that the situation develops, particularly through uh, some very testing times for, for one of the, uh, the, the two in that relationship. Uh, and that, that's about as much as I can say without giving anything away on the, on the story itself. But it is uh, always a, a pleasure to, to listen to the soundtrack. I think people very often don't think to do that, but you're actually releasing this uh, as, as music we can listen to in its own right as well? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, 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 really, I just, this Friday just released it on, on digital platforms. So it's on, uh, on Spotify, Apple Music and uh, many others. And, and I know when films are coming together, there's sometimes scenes which which change in shape. And uh, mm. again, that, that's, that means, that, I mean, as a film composer, you're part of that process throughout, not only from, it's very often in this case, most likely the original scripting, but also uh, down to the last moment, as soon as I hit the, the render button on the, the final piece, you've had to be involved in, uh, in, in working and reworking things to sort of fit the action and the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Actually, in, in, in this one was... Um, kind of easy because uh, when they sent to me the final edit was actually the final edit for for sure you know they were not doing any further edits anymore and of course that happened uh, throughout the pandemic I will say that the most difficult part uh, actually was because um, well I was abroad in Brazil when I was scoring that because mm -hmm. I was working remotely it was the highest peak of the pandemic you know, uh, Brazil went to the red list. I could return, but I didn't want to pay for the hotel. So my employer let me, you know, work remotely and I could continue my project. So then I had a lot of stuff going on there and I was having to do the soundtrack. So that actually was, I would say, the most uh, difficult thing because I could have finished the soundtrack way before, but it took longer. Um, I will say that uh, there was uh, something very interesting that uh, when you, if you listen to the soundtrack on Spotify, the last, the, the total number of tracks of cues in the movie are 26, okay? So actually I ended up putting all the cues from the beginning to the end. But on the Spotify, you're gonna see a number 27. 
Mm-hmm. So 26, the, the name of the track is On the Hill slash for uh, Stargazing. And after that, you have another one, which is called Goodbye slash for Stargazing. What happened was we both liked both tracks, but the first one I composed was the last one, 27, Goodbye, okay? Slash for uh, Stargazing, because actually it's two cues. But the main cue, I'm not going to give spoilers, uh, was like this. Dave really liked that one, the one that is the number 27, uh, named Goodbye. Uh, he said it's very good, but then um, he showed to me a big influence that he had in the temp track from the soundtrack of uh, Meet Joe Black. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he showed me that and he said, I really like what it did, but I really think we should go to another direction, you know? And it was a long queue. And, uh, and I said, okay, I understand. Okay, we, we, we want to, to, to address it in a different way because uh, both ways were good, but I, I know that he wanted something to be more, that music would, would be depicting something very beautiful, even though we were seeing one of the saddest moments in the movie. Mm-hmm. And okay, I like that, that concept. And then I wrote another one, which is then called On the Hill. And that's uh, when you see that, okay, they both show in the end, like slash four stargazes, that the that end cue stays the same. But in reality, you know, you, you can say that it's two different versions that, you know, original were written for the last cue of the movie. I really like both, mm-hmm. you know, but I have to say that, yeah, the one that uh, Dave and I sign off saying, okay, that should be the one I think is the best, but they're both, they're both very pretty on their own uh, ideas. And that's why it's, it, they actually have um, their names, you know, are really stick to what the music is trying to say as well. No, it's, uh, uh, I, I think I was actually out, uh, in, on, the, uh, on, on the hill when they were filming those final few scenes. So uh, as, as I, I've, I've been able to drop in and out of this production, it's gone along. And uh, you, 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 when you see these things happen, you, you're kind of, looking for that soundtrack, you bring that to life. And this is, you know, all part of, of, of making movie magic. Uh, the uh, premiere is taking place in March at the Lighthouse in Wolverhampton for uh, cast and crew. Uh, there will be releases uh, to, to follow, the full details on that by the You Are My Sunshine Facebook page. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, where do we find you and your music, and in particular the soundtrack for this amazing movie? Well, well, I would suggest to check me on Spotify. So if you if you write down "You're My Sunshine," you'll be able to uh, to, to find the soundtrack there, and um, and other digital store stores. It's just being released this last Friday, so it's out there. Hans Hess yeah. is the other name you're looking for, and I thank you now for joining us. Throw up now. Thank you, Jason. On the 23rd of April, Forever Elton will be at the place in Telford. Uh, the gentleman who is, I think, going to be Forever Elton there, he's Saul Mountford, who joins me on the line. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. I trust we find you well. Yes, you do. Good stuff. Now, uh, the show, Forever Elton, uh, is a tribute to the wonderful work of uh, Elton John and Bernie Taupin. Uh, but there's, there's so much more to that, you and your world of music, isn't there? Yeah, uh, I started off uh, as a stonemason and then just gradually moved into what is my passion and what I really love doing, which is music. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they're both very artistic. And uh, uh, what led you down the uh, the Elton John line? Because uh, you know, when it comes down to you know, the the look, the appearance on stage, I mean, you seem a little more grounded than maybe the look that Elton tends to portray in some of his shows. Uh, yeah, it's it's become it's because I just love his music. Um, I was asked to put together musically direct a charity concert about three or four years ago. And um, it was suggested that I performed as Elton John in there. And I've just been hooked on on performing his songs since then. It's just great fun. Well, but it's, it's not that you haven't got your own songs either, because you're a composer as, as well, aren't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. For about the last 15 years, I've been writing music, classical music or film music, uh, scores to uh, things like Vendetta and um, other, yeah, other feature films. So... This is it was all part of the, the, the big picture. I mean, and as a stonemason as well, I mean, that must be quite scary, the concept that you were wielding a chisel for so many years and those fingers that normally tickle the ivories, they're doing something more delicate during the rest of your time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you look back at what I was um, doing, it is quite scary that I actually still have 10 fingers when because you're handing great big sh uh, sheets of marble, Four foot by eight foot pieces of marble and uh, very close to a, a two foot diameter um, blade whizzing around. Uh, yeah, it is quite scary. So I'm, yeah, very thankful I've still got these. Good All steps are there, which is what counts. And yeah. it, it would hamper your performance if they were not. However, yes. uh, you're going to get to, to bring to life the, the music art of Elton. Now, I, I note that you have a similar hairstyle to myself. Now, does, does this mean there's an awful lot of wigs involved uh, when it comes to being Elton? Wigs and hats. Yes, <laughs> yes. It saves an awful lot on haircuts, so I'm afraid. <laughs> Part of you know, the, the magic of the show as well is the rest of the outfits. And then how far do you go on the sequin front? Uh, yeah, well, it's not the sort of thing which you, you just buy on the high street. And again, if you're a creative person, I'll let you into the secret. I make the outfits myself. Um, so it's a case of buying thousands and thousands of these little rhinestones and sticking them on. Uh, so it takes for hours, but uh, well, hey, in the evening when it's all quiet in the winter, it's it's good fun. Yeah, the non-gig nights are mostly replacing yeah. rhinestones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, you're based in Bridge North, but you're you're from just down the road in Kiddy, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, originally from Kidderminster, going back what fifty odd years. Yes. And uh, how do you, how did you first come to the the, the performing? Because uh, it, obviously the stonemasonry, as we mentioned, it, it it's all uh, another wonderful art form. But uh, what drew you into it to begin with? Like I say, I was a stonemason from sort of fifteen years onwards. But um, I, I learned the electric organ, which is basically two keys, two keyboards. And at the time in the eighties, it was all um, it was all synthesizers, the Yamaha DX sevens. So that kind of drew me into sound design and and just making these. Uh, just making music through electronics and uh it's just it's really gone on from there um ultimately i well i, I turned to more of a classical music uh, uh somebody who likes and, and creates some um, classical music thanks to the arts council but it's just sort of evolved from um performing on the electric organ as i say into keyboards into piano working with string players putting together a classical group. Um, it's just been a, a journey. It's just been a journey. Uh, but, the, but that journey itself, I say, it, it uh, uh, incorporates the, this uh, persona that you'll bring the stage in Forever Elton. And uh, with the, the whole sound, I mean, this is, this is obviously a, a big sound on stage. And how do you create that? Again, it, it, I guess it comes to uh, 
because I've been arranging music for quite a few years now, um, you know, for example, if there's a cellist or string parts in the in the show, which there are, then it's a case of uh, just writing out those and just listening to music, seeing how it all blends together. Um, it's, it's using your ears, seeing how Elton's done it and transcribing and, and creating as similar a sound as we can with the ensemble. And I really do have some fantastic musicians on stage. Um, yeah, been blessed with some because it's not. I know it's very much a solo show. At least people think of, of Elton, but it's um, you know when we're in the theatres, you have to be backed by a pretty decent band, and I'm uh, very thankful that I have got some fantastic musicians behind me. Mm -hmm. And with Elton on his farewell tour on and off over the last couple of years, yeah. uh, obviously this is you know, your chance to really shine and and uh, bring this music to life. How many times have you seen Mr. John on stage? In video form, mm -hmm. hundreds. Yeah, I mean, you have to keep looking at his performances to see how you know how he performs and how he how he arranges them. Um, so yeah, I've seen them an awful lot. Um, whether I actually get to see him on this farewell tour, I don't know. I hope so. We shall see. Yeah, obviously, it would be awkward if you got clashing gigs that night, wouldn't it? The one night you go, maybe you see Elton, you're being Elton somewhere. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I look forward to it anyway. Uh, well, I mean, this uh, is going to be uh, an amazing gig. I mean, the place itself is a fantastic venue. So uh, this is going to be uh, home to some wonderful music on the 23rd of April. How do people get hold of tickets? I'm guessing through your website? Through, yeah, it's best to go to the place theatre, the Telford Theatre website. It's all handled through them. So, uh, I mean, there are links on the foreverelton.com website, but probably the best thing to do is go directly to the place, Telford. Mm -hmm. sort them out there but uh, it will be a fantastic night um we went there about three years ago pre-covid uh, and it was uh it, it the facilities they've got there the sound management the lighting it really is a spectacular uh, place to put on events so i'm lo really looking forward to going back there and performing and, yeah. and you've got great lines of sight for the uh, the venue as well and i think what also is going to help is the fact that uh, you know that everybody's going to be up for this amazing music and it just helps you shine even more yep um, one great thing with that venue is uh, they've got a, a super grand piano to play on, and that tends to be a luxury because uh, you need the stage for a start. And um, yeah, so again, it all comes down to a fantastic venue to to see and perform Elton's music at. So I'm looking forward to it very much. And which is your favourite song that you're guaranteed to include every night, even if you are mixing the rest of the set up a bit? Yeah, there are so many songs that have to be include, um, included. Really like Rocket Man. Mm -hmm. um, Bitch is back is good fun. Kiss the Bride. Um, there are some obscure numbers which sometimes get in there, like Leave On. Um, but yeah, it's just, just yeah, there's so many fantastic numbers, uh, and that's really kind of what attracted me to him. It's just sitting in front of a piano and playing these. Um, it's just wonderful songs, wonderful songs that need to be heard. Absolutely, and heard live as well. And I think it's that interaction and, and being able to be part of the electricity of the show, which is going yeah. to be brought to life. Forever Elton is at the place in Oakengates, Telford, on the 23rd of April. Your man behind it is Phil Manford. Thank you for joining us. Break a leg. Have a great time on stage. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. <laughs>
The National Theatre are back out on tour with the first school's outing since 2019. Jekyll and Hyde is what is going to be out there, and it's in Wolverhampton from the 28th of February. To tell us more, I'm joined now by the National Theatre's Jenna Omschlenko and also by one of the cast from Jekyll and Hyde, Wesley Bazonga. Hello to you both. Hello, how are you? Oh, good here. I trust we're finding you both looking forward to this tour. Absolutely, yes. We're, we're, we're kind of, we've done two weeks in Manchester already um, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then Wolverhampton next. Yeah, so uh, when it comes to being back out on the road, National Theatre is, is bringing something new and innovative to so many school kids. More than 10,500 secondary school age people will see this over the full run. I think it's about seven weeks you're out and about for. It is, yes. Um, a whole nationwide tour. So we then go to Doncaster, Wakefield, um, up in Sunderland. Um, yeah, we've been to Manchester already and then we're going to um, out at East London, Hornchurch area. And working with theatres like the Grand Theatre in Wolverhampton to bring this out and obviously coordinating with a local partner is vitally important. And obviously you regularly work with the Grand uh, on productions that I've been lucky enough to go and see in the past. And it is in itself a wonderful theatre, but they're also taking this out to schools. It really does get kids into you know, the, the, the wonderful world of theatre itself. Yeah, absolutely. We've been patterning the Grand Coop for about four and a half years now um, on, as you say, on a kind of... Um... Our large-scale touring shows like Macbeth have been to the Grand in the last few years. Um, and then on our school tour as well, this is the third time we've taken a school tour to schools in Wolverhampton. Um, and it's been an absolute joy. The Grand are an amazing partner to work with and we love our visit every time we come. Now, this time around, it is Jacqueline Hyde and Wesley, you are part of this show. And I'm going to, before we start, I mean, what first got you interested in into theatre? Was it something like this from the, from the NT? Yeah, I guess so. I think I, I saw a play when I was really young and it made me bore my eyes out. And it also looked really fun, like what everyone was doing. And theatre is actually quite a weird concept, I think. Like it's people standing on a stage going through random things and you don't know what's happening. But equally, you could just walk up on that stage and touch them as well. It's not like cinema, but I saw how fun it was. And I was kind of messing around in my classes anyway. And then I figured out that it could actually be a career. So I just got involved in my local theatre and it all kind of took off from that, really. Yeah, it is the ultimate in 3D, isn't it? You know, it's not like having to put funny glasses on so you can see what's <laughs> happening. And you get essentially I mean, the same performance, but a different performance every time. You are part of it. And I think it's, it's because you were part of the show by being in the audience that it makes it even more special. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a crazy experience. And seeing some of the kids' faces so far is great because in the wings we can kind of look out into the audience and see how they're receiving the show and obviously it's a different school every single day so there's well thousands of reactions um <laughs> it's great it's honestly it's great well, yeah, I mean, you guys are out there inspiring these kids not only to get interested in, in watching theatre, some of them will want to take part in it. And it, either way, it, it shows them that confidence is something that you can have. And again, this is all about character building. And Jenna, I think this, this is it's, it's about more than the theatre, but theatre in itself would be enough, but it's, it's bigger than that. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, the last couple of years of the pandemic, we're talking about lots of young people across the country who've been really isolated, who've been in their bedrooms, who've been learning over Zoom or over the internet, who've not been kind of in spaces together and been able to kind of like watch live theatre or, any, or kind of anything really, you know, we've been stopped from doing that. So actually being able to, yes, watch it together and have that live experience and experience creativity, 
but also like you know we really encourage the schools who work with us to take part in our other programs which are about having a go yourself taking part maybe writing a play maybe you know performing a play maybe running one of our kind of um teacher cpd sessions there's kind of there's a massive menu of stuff that we do across the country and it is all about kind of making sure that young people everywhere across the whole country have access to an arts education Mm-hmm. And this isn't just your standard take on Jekyll and Hyde, uh, a bit of a mashup between the Victorian era and the modern day, and a, a, a way of telling a story which is also going to be empowering. Definitely. It's um, Evan Placey, the writer, did um, a bit of a kind of, yeah, he took inspiration from the original novella, and I think um, was very kind of um, confused as to why there were only two female characters in it. One was a maid, and one was um, a woman who got murdered. Um, so he was like, what What was happening to women in that era? What was actually happening to women in the Victorian era? And I think this play, this version of it is 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 very female-led. I mean, the two main characters are females. Um, and it talks about kind of what what hasn't changed, actually, in terms of kind of um, rights for women. You can look at the Victorian era and say, oh, yes, that was terrible. And like, you know, but actually with the still, you know, you know, equal pay isn't, isn't a thing for women yet. There's lots of issues that are still happening. And I think it's also, like Wesley, you will know, it's also a very fun production, isn't it? I mean, you have you have a lot of fun in it, I can tell. Yeah, there's, there's loads of fun to be had, but obviously it's fun that kind of educates and stuff. I think, obviously, during our research and stuff, we found out so many different things and different topics that, you can't really fit into one hour and a half of mm-hmm. Jekyll and Hyde. And one of the things that's amazing about it as well, it's it brings it both from the Victorian era, era to this one too. And as General was saying, there's still like not equal pay. And obviously there's terrible things that happen all over. But if we can, you know, get these kids to understand how it was and like that, I think they are a future as well, so they can kind of change that moving forward, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, they have to realise there has been some change, or at least a realisation that what is going on is wrong, hopefully. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when, when you come into playing the parts, tell us a bit about your role and, and how it works for you, Wesley. Uh, so, <laughs> so I've got five different um, things that I do in the show. So I'm a paperboy at some point, um, and he's pretty chilled sometimes he's a bit aggy he doesn't really want to do his job which is fun um and then i've got a tiger we've got some tigers in the show which you wouldn't really expect but they also have their own kind of message um which helps the play along especially with hyde and jekyll um and then i am dr maxwell and i also play a police officer and I think there's one more character that I've completely forgotten about. Tommy, Tommy. Tommy is probably one of the most important characters that I play. Um, he is really, really fun. Um, I enjoy it every single time I put on that costume. I'm just like, yeah, let's let's do this. It's, it's great. It also gives loads of different reactions from the kids mm-hmm. every time Tommy comes out and has his scenes with um, Judge Enfield. And yeah, I think in every single one of those characters, I think there's something for someone to relate to or to understand that, okay, cool, that's not the type of person I want to be when I grow up or 
like picking out different words that they use to describe different things and understanding that that's not how you speak to someone or that is how you speak to someone. Uh, a message that I've had to put across to the kids in the Q&A is Tommy's in a situation where he feels like he's trapped and can't get out of it. And I think something that's really important is recognizing that as soon as you can and trying to rectify that so that you're not stuck in a constant loop of being disappointed with mm -hmm. whatever situation you're in. And obviously it's easier said than done, but I think it always starts with a small step that Tommy hasn't taken. Yeah, and, and you're, you're in an era where poverty was absolutely rife. And yes, it is still something we, we have today. We've got a better uh, way of looking people after people from with the state, but it's still not right. So uh, you're getting messages across from a, a lot of different perspectives. And again, this is all part of the education, Jenna, that you're looking at in schools, I take it. Yeah, it really is. It's about, I mean, for me, theatre and storytelling, it's about empathy. It's about understanding... Um, who you are, other people are, kind of other points of view. So yeah, you know, creativity in the arts and storytelling, in particular live theatre, is all about empathy building. Um, and the characters, you know, some of them in the play are really tricky. And, you, you know, afterwards we have a Q&A for about half an hour, led by our associate director, Zoe, where the young people in the audience can ask any member of the um, cast a question, or Zoe a question, or one of our stage management team, Tom, who is fantastic. And um, a lot of those issues come up then, you know, you know, you don't have to like these characters, but sometimes they do very questionable things. The two main characters in particular, but it's about opening up a conversation and then having that debate afterwards and then making sure that those conversations can be quite, you know, can be lively, but also they can be quite safe as well. Yeah, and, and I mean, it is with a group of people who are finding their own feet in the world at the moment, and they will probably be some of them who will enjoy acting it up a little bit when they're in these these groups and the conversations. I think, and I think it's important that they get a chance to do that. And again, it's it's being you know, expressive and and learning that being expressive isn't wrong as long as you also learn when you need to temper that too. And and this is again, it's all part of the the, the bigger picture that you're looking at here. Yeah, and it's really interesting as well because like a lot of these young people have never seen live theatre before, um, especially because of the last two years and, and not being able to go and see live theatre to big school or have any kind of theatre company to come in. So um, they're not your typical audience. Yes, they can be quite loud. They can be quite noisy. They sometimes they shout out at moments. But you know, being in a rehearsal room where they've, you know the company have been it's been a very quiet atmosphere. And then going to a school hall in Manchester or Wolverhampton where the kids are shouting out and they're responding and they're, they're interacting with it. Um, and we quite like that. I don't want a quiet audience. There's nothing worse than sitting in a school hall and it's like deathly silent. Mm -hmm. Like a little bit of liveliness and a little bit of interaction, I think, is really exciting. And I'm sure they are still in awe as well. I mean, Wesley, you talk about the sort of reactions that you're getting. Uh, it must be, again, quite wide ranging. And you, you, with the Q&A and your chance to, to talk about this, it must be great to be able to share something that you love with people who are coming into the world for the first time when it comes to thinking about this. Absolutely. There was um, someone who asked the question and immediately as he put his hand up and like... Obviously, it's a school with our own classes and they all kind of know each other better than we ever will because we're only there for a day. And he put his hand up, started asking, and there was these girls that were kind of giggling and stuff. And from then, I kind of knew that this kid was basically me in secondary school. But the one thing that he can connect to is drama, is acting, is this kind of theatre world. And he asked a really amazing question about um, whether this could help educate people that 
aren't necessarily used to being stuck in classrooms or they're not good at learning from a teacher just standing there and hurling verbal stuff at them 24 <laughs> 7 and he, he was saying that there were so many messages that he picked up in this that he wouldn't be able to pick up in a standard teaching classroom and I I love like seeing that realization from from kids because I think the earlier you realize that the earlier you can help yourself learn more in different ways as well instead of being stuck to one rigorous method um which I struggled with in school a lot. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, education isn't purely book-based, but it is also having a, a source material to go to, whether that is a textbook or whether it is you know, learning from life and uh, uh, also learning from this sort of story that's being told here, identifying characters and uh, also being able to pick up the, the, the changes that may have taken between the two areas that you're jumping between here. Yeah. Uh, Jenna, I know that you go into the likes of St. Peter's Academy, the King's CV School, Ormston New Academy. So you've got a number of venues throughout the week. How, how how does that work? Obviously, all the schools are set up now. Uh, but uh, if, if a school wants to register an interest for a, a future potential tour, what could, what can be done? It's definitely worth yeah getting in touch with the Wolverhampton brand. They have a really lovely learning team there who look after kind of their school relationships, and all their information is on the website. So we work with the brand really closely to make sure that we're reaching the schools who might not already have access to to theatre, or who might need a little bit of support getting young people to see. To see live theatre so yeah the Wolverhampton grand their learning team there um and the information is on the grand website and then from there we can um we'll be coming back year on year we're already planning our next tour so like there's always there's always opportunity to get involved even if it isn't in the next couple of weeks yeah well so grandtheatre.co.uk look for the schools of learning link on there also if you want to find out more about what the national theatre are doing nationaltheatre.org.uk forward slash learning and you can see the whole program look at some of the past performances get a few uh, pictures and uh, some great shots from uh, the actual uh, stage themselves wesley will be able to see you in one of your many costumes on there i am sure and there's going to be schools loving every moment of having you know live theatre bought into effectively their classrooms uh, even if it is the school hall and uh, yeah bringing set in as well i mean and again wesley that must be another good part of it, is having props and things around you which uh, brings a familiar environment for you but also an alien one for the kids who have never seen their school hall look like this before it's amazing i think the actors are kind of shown as the kind of heroes where the one that gets the round of applause at the end and whatnot but honestly none of it would be possible without the production team we've got tracy ann venus tom Ella and we've got other people helping us along the way obviously Jenna we've got Ollie we've got um Erin everyone's Erin. getting a shout out there is <laughs> but there's so many people that goes into it so even if we go to the schools and there are um kids that yeah they like theatre but they don't want to necessarily take the main stage there's so so many routes into this creative mm. industry that we have and yeah having the props is amazing I think full light sound set costume everything it's, it's incredible. A, it's a big operation. It's on tour across Wolverhampton for the next week, and it is going to be the National Theatre basically changing lives and inspiring in, in the way only theatre can. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Congratulations on everything you're doing. It's going to be great to know you're in our city, and we look forward to welcoming you again soon. And, of course, it's that work that you're doing with the Grand that makes all of this possible. And I know you have other partners who are fully listed on your website, so people can see how this is being supported. But for now, part of the cast, Wesley Bazonga, and also Jen. Omenshenko from the National Theatre. Thank you for joining us. Thank, Thank you very much.
That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 663 next week. I hope to have you along then. See you soon. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.